Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So today we're launching a, a new series called uh, Different, and we're going to be basing it on the uh, first book of uh, Peter, First Peter, and we're going to be looking at um, um, some of the encouragement that Peter writes to the church, encouraging the church and giving them a sense of hope. And so this morning we, we're going to jump into this, and before we do that, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for this moment that we have. And as we gather around the word this morning, we just pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, that you'd encourage us. Lord, right now we just lift the children to you as well, our children that are out there being taught the word of God as well. We just pray that you would speak to them too. So Lord, this morning as we gather around your word, we just thank you this morning and we just pray that you speak to each of us and everyone said amen and amen. So Peter writes the letter to the church out of uh, the book of uh, 1 Peter, uh, encouraging them and giving them a sense of hope through the trials that they're facing. And so before we do that this morning and jump into a couple of thoughts that come out of that, I thought it'd be good for us to look at the context in which Peter was writing um, to the church. Because when you see the group of people that people, Peter was writing to and what they were facing, uh, I believe it just means a whole lot more to us. So to give you a little bit of context about what he's writing, he's uh, writing to this group of people and we see that he's written this book somewhere between 60 and 65 AD. And um, what was going on at that time, we, we see that, if, if you don't know, there was a guy at the time, his name was Nero. And just to paint a little bit of picture about what was happening to the church in this particular time, um, this guy Nero was the leader and uh, he was a really twisted and evil person. This was the time that they were living in. And what we understand from history is that this guy killed his mother. It goes on that said that he killed his first wife and most likely killed his second wife as well. History tells us at that time when the church was in this region um, that Nero actually was charged with burning the city of Rome and trying to escape the blame for burning the city because he had this grand plan to build a whole new empire and city. Rather than take the blame for doing that, he convinced everyone in that city that this small group of people called Christians were responsible for the burning of city of Rome. So here we have this, the little church in, in the city of Rome who are facing a, a fair bit of persecution just by default and now are facing an overwhelming sense of persecution because the leader at that time, Nero, is placing all the blame on them for the burning of Rome. And as I said before, Nero was a really, really sick person. And I want to share with you some of the things to give you a bit of an idea of the persecution that the early church was facing in this particular instance here. Um, Nero was sick, as I said. Among other things, he actually put animal skins on Christians. So like a dead animal, he put the skins on the Christians, then locked them into a cage, and he'd unleash a pack of wild dogs into the cage and watch them maul and destroy these Christians as he would sip wine and drink this and watch it as entertainment. This was a sick man. 
In fact, this guy was so sick, he would take Christians, and you have to understand that these were real people like you and I who loved their family, just like you and I, and he would take these Christians, he would dip them in hot wax, and then he would put them on a tree, tying their hands to a tree, then he would light them on fire and burn the trees, and these people would become like human candles in the night skies as he would throw parties around these suffering Christians. And this is the context in which Peter is writing the first book of Peter. This is the context that he's speaking to. This is what's happening to these people as he starts to bring some words of encouragement and life to them. So this message, who's it for this morning? Well, I want to say this morning, this message is for people that right now, you might be facing a trial. You might be in one right now. There might be some really serious concerns that you have that are facing you today. Well, this message this morning is for you. And I want to say it's also for people that those who sometime in the future will also be facing a trial. I love this. A pastor friend of mine used to say that you're either coming out of a trial, you're either in the middle of a trial, or you're going into a trial. Who's happy about that this morning? Well, it's true. Life is full of trials. Life is full of ups and downs. But these people were facing some incredibly difficult trials. So 1 Peter chapter 1, it should be up on the screen, starts with Peter reminding them and reminding us of a very powerful truth this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1, it states this. This is a letter from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners, who are living as foreigners. The first thing that Peter reminds them that they are foreigners. In other words, Peter is saying, you need to understand and remember that this is not your home. Can I say this morning, friends, if you're a follower of Christ, guess what? This world is not your home. We're foreigners. We're passing through, prepared for the real event that God has for us. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a stranger to this world, you're a sojourner, you're just passing through. And this is the first bit of encouragement that Peter brings to these people that are suffering under the hand of incredible, difficult persecution. And I believe this, if, if, you're, if, if this world is not your home, therefore you and I, I believe, are called to be different. From those of us that are followers of Christ, what does that mean? Well, it means this, that we are in this world, but we are meant to be different from the world. In our message today, we're going to look at Peter, who's going to show us that if you're in the middle of a trial because of this world, it's not your home. And I want to say this this morning, you can have a different kind of faith when you go through something incredibly difficult. Listen to it again. You and I can have a different kind of faith when we go through something that is incredibly difficult. So that's what I want to do today. Look at the words of this very powerful book and we're going to look at a different, uh, excuse me, different faith in trials. And remember as we go through, who is Peter writing to? Remember the people that Peter is writing to, people that are suffering under the hand of terrible persecution. So as I said before, under Nero, the guy was so, so sick. So this morning, I want to continue on in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through to 7. And before I read that, I want to say that it would almost appear shocking when you understand the context of what he's about to say to them. Because listen to the words of what Peter says this morning. He says this, so be truly glad. Can you believe that this morning? 
He says, so be truly glad. He says, because there is a wonderful joy ahead of you, even though you must endure many trials for a while, these trials will show that your faith is what? Come on, say it louder than that. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. In other words, God may make these temporary trials go away, but there's a wonderful joy ahead. And then he's going to show that these trials have a purpose. He says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. And I want you to think about it this morning. If there is a genuine faith, there must also be something that is opposite to that. And we could say that it's a false faith. God takes us through trials with the purpose of building our faith and strengthening our faith and shaping our faith into what we could call a genuine faith. But I've discovered along the way, as we all have, that there are different types of faith. And I want to share with you this morning, the first one would be what we would call an inherited faith. People that have received an inherited faith, it's not their own faith. It's a faith that's based upon the faith possibly of their parents of the good old grandmothers and grandfathers, any of those out there? Steve Kreitz is too young, but yes, I see him over there, amen. But there are people that have an inherited faith. They haven't really discovered faith yet, but they have a faith that's based upon the faith of other people. A second type of faith is what we would call a shallow faith. Jesus spoke about it in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 13 when the, the sower went out and started to sow seed along the way and it talks about the condition of hearts. And the third thing we could say this morning is people that can have a conditional faith. It's those who would say, I believe in God, I love God, I believe in God as long as things go my way. Some people have a conditional faith like that. Trials can reveal the depth of our faith. And if you're, you are going through a, a difficult time, and some of you may well say my faith is being tested right now, I want to share with you how God intends to use those trials to build your faith and to draw you closer to Him. Amen. Because often when we're going through a trial, we feel like God has left us. I want to say that God, the Bible says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And so whatever you're facing right now, it's to build your faith. It's to bring you closer to God, amen. It's not to destroy your life, but it's to make your life. It's to, to build your faith and make your faith even more genuine. So how does God use our trials? Two different things, and we'll finish in a few moments' time with this. Number one, trials reveal your faith in order to build your faith. Trials reveal your faith in order to build your faith. Look at it again in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. It says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I love to say it like this. Listen to these thoughts this morning. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. Hello? A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. Trials can reveal the strength of your faith. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, said this in James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. If you're in a trial, you can count it as all joy because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In other words, God's going to use it. God's going to do something in it. Amen. If you're facing a challenge right now, if you're facing a trial right now, if you're in a trial right now, 
Know that God wants to use it to build your faith. If you're wrapped in pain right now, what I hope you'll understand is that there's a purpose in your pain. God will never waste a hurt. He's always working in it. He's always working for you. He always loves you and He's always good. Trials reveal your faith and ultimately the purpose of that is to build your faith. Amen. The first thought is that. The second one is this. Trials draw you closer to God. Trials can draw you closer to God. That's what God intends as we go through trials to be the outcome of them, that we draw closer to God in and through our trial. Many people, though, at that point will allow their faith to be shipwrecked. God doesn't want our faith to be shipwrecked. He wants us to come closer to Him as we're going through the trial that we face. So trials draw us closer to God. 1 Peter 1 and 8 and 9 tells us this directly, and I want you to watch the power of what he's saying here. It says this, You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your what? Souls. Listen what there. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Peter says, as you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy, a glorious, inexpressible joy that can only come from heaven, he says the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of our souls. Listen to that thought there because it goes on and says, the reward will be the salvation of our souls. But notice that, that right there is what we call the gospel. Right there, that's what we call the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news of who Jesus is. And what I hope you understand is the good news is not what God, that, that God saves us from our trials, but that God saves us from our sins. And in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their persecution, Peter was reminding them again about the fact that Jesus had saved them from their sin. God never ever said that I'll deliver you from all of your troubles. He never said that you would not have a migraine headache. He never said you wouldn't have some financial difficulties. God never said that. In fact, he didn't say any of these things. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Well, that's really encouraging. In this world, you will have trouble. Facing a trial, facing something difficult, the choice is to either rise up and allow our faith to be built and draw closer to God. Because the reality is, as long as the sun's going to rise in the morning and set in the evening... At some stage in our walk with God, there will be something that will feel like it's insurmountable to overcome. There will be something that will come from left field or right field. It will come from somewhere we would never ever expect and we'll be faced with it right there in that moment. But what do we do? Do we lay down? Do we give up? Or do we realize, as Peter's encouraging this, this group of people that are suffering the most brutal persecution... That, hey, that even though you're going through these trials, God wants to prove and test your faith. God wants to strengthen your faith through the moment that you're facing. 
And not only that, reminds them that ne never God said, we're just going to take away every trial. No, God said that through his son Jesus, he would take away our sin. The good news is that he, he, that he saves us from our trials. The good news is that he saves our souls and forgives our sins. Amen. And this morning, whatever it is that you're facing today, I believe that God wants us to lift up our eyes and remind ourselves again of the great salvation that Jesus has won for us, even though you might be facing some insurmountable opposition at the moment. Even though you might have some things in your world right now that are causing you pain and possibly causing you grief, rather than allow those things to rob you, allow those things to build your faith, amen, and to set your eyes again on the incredible salvation that Jesus has won for us, amen. doesn't matter what happens in this life, as long as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. When you're hurting, you draw closer to Him. When you're desperate, you call on Him. And I believe that I believe this morning that we need to understand that our faith is not in what we see. Our faith is in who God is. Amen. In fact, the Bible says all things work together for those that love Him and are called according to His purposes. The Bible also says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible also encourages us that God is for us. Who can be against us? Today, as we start to conclude this morning, whatever you might be facing, use the trial to build your faith and to draw closer to God. Use the trial to build your faith and draw closer to God. Use the trial to build your faith and draw closer to God. Use your trial to build your faith and to draw closer to God. Why don't we just bow our heads right now? Could we just pray this morning? Lord, we thank you this morning. And I thank you today, God, that you know every life that's here today. You know every set of circumstances. You know each person this morning that's, that's just rejoicing in this moment, God. But you also know those ones that, Lord, lay in bed at nighttime struggling with the things that face them. Lord, today... We just take heart from your word this morning that you're wanting to build our faith, Lord, through this trial, through this circumstance, that you're also wanting us to be closer to you. So, Lord, for each person here this morning, we choose, Lord, you. We choose to allow our faith to be built. We choose to allow our lives to be brought closer to you because, God, we know that for every circumstance that we face, that you have not left us, you have not forsaken us, you are there leading us and guiding us. And so, Lord, this morning, we are so thankful for your goodness this morning, for your graciousness this morning. So, Lord, thank you today. Friends, while every head's bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Saviour, if you've never opened up your heart to God, and say, God, I know about you, but I want to know you. If you're here this morning and you know that there's a void in your life that you've tried to fill with many other things, but you know deep down in your heart right now as we're speaking today that Jesus is here, that he is real, and he wants you to come to him. Well, friends, while every head's bowed and eyes closed, in a moment's time, I would love to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of salvation, to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior to receive from God the gift of eternal life.
And it simply starts with a prayer. A prayer of forgiveness. A prayer that says, God, I surrender my life to you. And friends, while every head's bowed, as I look from the left to the right, if you're here, would you just place your hand up really quickly? Really quickly this morning and say, yes, Shane, that's me. I would love to ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior this morning. Thank you, I see your hand this morning. Anyone else here this morning as well that would love to pray that prayer just before we conclude today? God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. You are so good, so good. Awesome. Well, I'd love us to all pray together this prayer. And for that one person that's raised their hand this morning, the whole of heaven is rejoicing in that. And we are so encouraged this morning. But let's just pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross so that my sins could be forgiven. Today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I open my life to you. I make you Lord today. You are the Savior of my life, and I commit my life to following you. In your name I pray. I thank you that I'm a child of God. In your name I pray, amen. Amen and amen. We'll give the Lord a hand clap today.